Hi, I'm Alex Smith, host of The Asterisk, a serialized podcast from Pregame Skate, highlighting the game-changing events that unfolded throughout the 2019-2020 NHL season. In each episode, we'll outline occurrences that will change the sport for years to come. Joining us for episode three of The Asterisk is Steve Rich, an NHLPA certified agent who's been representing professional hockey players since 1987. The list of studs Steve has represented throughout his career is lengthy, starting in the 90s when his client list included perennial all-stars like Mario Lemieux, Chris Chelios, Tom Barrasso, and Ron Francis. Nowadays, Steve is a member of the O2K management team, which represents several NHL players, including Wayne Simmons, Vince Trocek, TJ Oshie, and Derek Steppen. First, a word from our sponsors. NHL players start every game day with a pregame skate. Now you can too by subscribing to Pregame Skate, an email newsletter detailing what's happening in the hockey world and why it matters, all in five minutes or less. And that's not all you get with this five-minute major upgrade to your inbox. Subscribers to PreGameSkate gain access to its monthly live conference calls with NHL players, coaches, scouts, and journalists as the NHL season kicks into full gear. There's no better time to join the PreGameSkate roster. To subscribe, visit www.pregameskate.com. March 11th, 2020. The NBA temporarily suspended its season after Rudy Gobert and another Utah Jazz player tested positive for the coronavirus. Now, the NBA suspended their season last night after Utah Jazz player Rudy Gobert tested positive for coronavirus after feeling ill earlier that day. Now, Rudy spoke about the virus on Monday in a press conference, and as a joke, he made sure, here he goes, made sure to touch every media microphone as he left. Two days later, he tested positive. Yeah, not, not hilarious, no. not, not hilarious. One day later, the NHL followed suit. The NBA was the first domino to fall. The NHL likely will not be the last, with the NHL just announcing that they are pausing the season due to the coronavirus. The NHL holding... On March 16th, NHL players were granted the right to go to their home state or countries, showing that the league would not press on in the immediate future. In the weeks and months that followed, the NHL was forced to reschedule the draft and develop a return-to-play plan, all while attempting to negotiate a new collective bargaining agreement with the NHLPA. After weeks of debate, the league rolled out a 24-team playoff format on Friday, May 22nd, later ratifying a new CBA on July 10th. The best news for people who really care about hockey is pretty simple. It's that they're going to have labor peace for six years, and they need it. But if this hadn't got done, David, I think you're looking next year at salary caps around $65 million. Uh, I think you're looking at escrow for players somewhere between 45 and 70%. And then you head into, okay, now we've got to get another CBA done out of a pandemic. That's right. The stakes were high for the NHL and the Players Association. And getting a deal done during this unprecedented time was impressive, to say the least. Steve started off by sharing some insight on the successful CBA negotiations, which paved the way for the NHL's restart. Well, I think the biggest thing is structurally, the system itself is stayed in place. 
everybody's always screaming about escrow, escrow, escrow. We hate escrow. But escrow is the mechanism that ensures that the player's share won't be more than the 50% that they're supposed to get. Escrow is here to stay. The biggest thing that the players got out of negotiating a new agreement was one of two things were going to happen next year if the players decided not to uh, do a new agreement. Since the cap is based on the prior year's revenues, the, the salary cap would either went down dramatically because revenues are way down because there's no fans in the seats for the playoffs and playoffs is a big part of the revenue system. So next year's salary cap was either going to go way down, which was going to cause chaos around the league, or the escrow was going to go way up to perhaps as high as 50%. Escrow is a certain percentage of money that's withheld from a player's paycheck until the league knows what the full revenue is for the total year. 50% escrow would effectively cut paychecks in half, meaning the take-home value for players after taxes would be close to 25% of their listed salary. With that backdrop, there was a real push to come up with a long-term solution that takes into account the fact that this is a, let's hope, a -a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. And so at the end of the day, the players in the league, they were able to come up with a new agreement that put a cap on next year's escrow at 20%. And like I said, that seems really high, but the bottom line is had there not been a cap, that would have been easily two or three times higher. The players received that as a benefit. And then the following year will also be capped at lower than that. I think it's 14%. The hard part of doing this deal is you're trying to look into a crystal ball and try to figure out what the revenues are going to look like next year and the year after. And the bottom line is the way the players and the league went about it, and it was very collaborative. And it was the first time in my 30 plus years of being a part of it that both sides really had the long-term financial health of the sport, put that ahead of all things. And both sides should be commended for it. But they wouldn't have been able to pull this playoff bubble off if there wasn't great collaboration between the owners and the Players Association. And there would not have been able to f- resolve a collective bargain agreement that extends beyond these the two years that it was supposed to be without both sides really putting what was best for the sport and putting the fans first. And they should both be commended for it. And it's an historic event in hockey, which was rife in the late 80s and 90s with great mistrust and hatred. Those collective bargaining agreements were always very combative and very non-productive, in my opinion. One main point of contention between NHL Commissioner Gary Bettman and the Players Association was the Olympics something the two sides have argued over for years. The NHL believes that there's never been any tangible proof that they profit from the Olympics. And they, and they like to use the 2002 Salt Lake City as a prime example. That was the dream gold medal game, Canada, United States, on American soil in North America. And 
the National Hockey League maintains there was zero economic bump, um, no tangible measurement. Uh, and in fact, I think they would tell you that coming out of the Olympics afterwards, the NHL TV ratings go down. You know, you have the potential for injury of star players, John Tavares amongst others. Um, it totally derailed the New York Islander playoff hopes that year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you're saying, so you show me the bottom line on why this is better for our business and maybe we'll do it. And oh, by the way, give us $20 million to go. I mean, the IOC makes it way too easy for the NHL to say, screw that. The fact that the owners and Bettman were willing to include Olympic participation in the new CBA, which runs through the 2025-2026 to season, proved that they were willing to match the monetary sacrifices the players were making with the increase in escrow. Here's Steve on the negotiations. And that was important to the players. The owners have mixed feelings, especially when the Olympics are not in North America. Like a lot of owners are saying, you know, risking, those are their best players, right? So their best players are away, potentially putting themselves at peril, uh, potentially, you know, injured while they're playing that tournament. And it's all well and good. And the total impact on the NHL as a whole, I think everybody would agree there is some benefit to the NHL by players playing in the Olympics, but maybe not to the extent that it's worth risking the health of Vetchkin or Crosby for the Capitals or Penguins for their Stanley Cup playoff run. That was something that was important for the players to have, and that was something that the owners were willing to give and that they probably weren't necessarily thrilled with. NHLers were unable to play in the 2018 Winter Olympics in South Korea, meaning they were replaced with minor league players mostly from the AHL. These players could see significant changes to their contracts in 2021, as the reality of games without fans could widely impact these smaller market teams. Steve now has to find a way to place his clients during a time when teams are making very few roster moves. It's really hard because technically, even though a guy's not playing now, he's not officially a free agent. So if you're not talking with the team that currently owns his rights, you're not supposed to be out there talking to new teams about playing contracts. I'm sure some people do, you know, not something that I'm doing personally. The discussions that I've had with players, with the teams they're currently on that have the high two-way kind of contracts, Teams are having a hard time wrapping their arms around the 700 over 350, 400 type guys, the the guys that are usually the first or second round of call-ups, you know, important depth guys. With the guys that we have that they want to keep, they're having a hard time getting budgets set from their ownership. So those discussions haven't really gone other than the fact that some teams have said, yeah, we definitely want so-and-so back. We're going to figure out a way to get it done, but I can't tell you what that minor league number is going to look like from our standpoint. Or, and other teams have been even more bullish and say, if you think your player's getting X like you did last year, forget about it next year. It's not going to happen. And so there's a lot of teams that are definitely showing a lot of signals that their budgets in the minor league are going to be much lower than they were in the past. 
and that some of those bigger two-way deals might not be quite as big. Contracts look a little different in 2021, and so does the NHL's schedule. The league kicked off its 56-game season on January 13th, with plans to award the Stanley Cup by July at the very latest. We spoke with Steve during the 2020 playoffs, when he and other experts thought an 82-game season was possible. Here's his thoughts on the 2021 season and the possibility of seeing fans in more NHL arenas later this year. From what I understand, they factored in kind of a one-third, 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 where they assume there won't be fans at all for the first third of the season. And then the second would be probably partial. Maybe the buildings would be a quarter filled or something like that if, you know, to achieve social distancing. And then the final third, the hope would be that they would be able to get back to fans at normal for the final third of the season and the playoffs. And they're committed to keeping the cap the same the following year. And like I said, capping escrow, even though the owner's share, the owners are going to be, in effect, probably losing a little bit. The 2021 season will be full of surprises, just like the 2020 playoffs, when it was clear the players were focused on their present reality inside the bubble. Here's Steve's thoughts on the level of play throughout the Coronavirus Cup. The quality of play, to me, has been tremendous. The compete level, the battles, like it's, it doesn't look like guys have taken four or five months off. I think you could probably say there's probably some skill plays where maybe a guy, power plays are not quite as sharp. A Pittsburgh fan, you're talking about. But for the most part, the quality of play has been way better than I would have anticipated. The speed of it, the intensity, and the competitiveness, and the want level. And the players and their staff should be commended. And like I said, this would not have been possible without great sacrifice on both sides and great foresight. I, from what I heard, I think they presented collectively the Players Association and the ownership presented their thoughts on how they might want to proceed with this to Elsie. And he thought that it was the best plan place of any of the sports. So they went to great lengths. It wasn't by accident that they came up with this plan. As always, we finished our conversation by asking Steve if this year's Stanley Cup champion will have an asterisk next to their name. Here's what he said. The best team is going to win. Would it have been the same team maybe as had the season not been discontinued? I don't know. That's conjecture. But I do know you can't fake it for 16 wins in this kind of atmosphere. Can you see it? The teams, Rick Tockett said about his team yesterday, it looked like one team was questioning how much they wanted to be in the bubble. They got waxed. It's going to take an unbelievable effort to win this cup. And whoever does, there's no asterisk in my mind. It's going to be a great team and it's going to be one for the ages, I think. I think it's going to be a great champion that, that wins this. I think you've seen just by through the first pre-round and the first round, the teams that have a high degree of team speed, discipline, and tenacity are beating teams that have on paper have more skill. It's going to take that kind of effort for another month and a half to win that cup. 
And if it happens, believe me, it's going to be one heck of an accomplishment, whoever does it. And it'll be a great team that wins. It's not going to be a fluke. That's all for this episode of The Asterisk. Tune in next time for our chat with Carolina Hurricanes forward, Vince Trocek, who will provide an inside scoop on what it was like to be a player inside the NHL bubble. This podcast was produced by Walk On Holdings, a digital media holding company, along with Pregame Skate. Alex Smith is our host and associate producer. Parker Milner and Brooks Dyroff are the executive producers. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please rate and review if you'd like to hear more serialized hockey podcasts in the future. Lastly, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter at www.pregameskate.com. That's all for now. We'll see you next time.